Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I'm your guest, Chris Church. And we are your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 212. Chris Church is the founder and current chief product officer of Macrofab Incorporated. He is the former founder of Dynamic Perception and former co-founder and chief architect of Alert Logic. So Chris was on the previous MacFab Engineering Podcast episode 127, Tariff Impacts, and episode 142, Supply Chain Conspiracy Securities. And I think Misha, which is our current CEO at MacFab, was also on it. Um, so it's been actually exactly 70 episodes since you were last on the podcast, uh, Chris. What has been going on with your life, current hobbies, anything interesting going on besides, you know, MacFab stuff? Yeah, well, well, do I get to do anything other than macrofab? Um, <laughs> I was about to say that's like a hundred percent right there. <laughs> but so seventy episodes—that's been like a year and a half, right? Yes. Wow. Yeah, just okay, about. I can do math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I got a, I got a few hobbies. I mean, I, I still spend a lot of time. I like to cook. I do the whole like you know snout to tail thing, make your own ingredients, all that stuff. Uh, that consumes most of my hobby time, but. Uh, lately, I have started a couple new projects. Uh, I think, Parker, I showed you some pictures the other day of um, a turntable restoration I'm doing. I've got this uh, uh, musical MMF9, like triple plinth, kind of neat little turntable thing. Uh, bought, bought it for parts, bought the parts it was missing, and now I'm doing a, you know, a veneer and paint job on it, fixing it all up, making it look real nice. And that was my... My first veneer job and my first time using a vacuum press for veneer. So that's going to be, you know, it's looking okay. Um, it's, it looks great in the pictures. Yeah, it always looks better in pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was this one of those projects where you had to buy the tool such that you could make the other tools such that you could then make the final product? Basically, yes. <laughs> so those are the best kind of projects. Then you just keep collecting tools. Oh, yeah. yeah. But well, that led Single to... Single-use tools. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I don't know what I'm going to do with this vacuum press when I'm done. Um, I don't know if I have a lot of veneering in my future, but I probably will at least use it one more time. Um, but it did lead to another experiment I have to engage in because the the turntable wouldn't quite fit on the shelf I have. Uh, the shelf has kind of a, a backing on it, and it blocks the way of the cables. And the shelf is too skinny, so the motor would just fall off into space if I tried to to put it on there so I need to build a, a base for it and you know my wife and I have been talking about a uh, getting a fire pit for the backyard a little propane one and once I figured out how much those cost and how cheaply they were made I was like there's no way I'm spending that kind of money on that that kind of product <laughs> so I'll be learning to cast concrete after this um, the uh, concrete oh. base will be the next thing for the the the, uh, the turntable and I'm gonna practice with that and then move on to the bigger fire pit project. I, I'm just imagining it's going to be like another Christmas party at Church's house, and everything's going to be veneer and concrete. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got this. Uh, there's like this guy on YouTube, like Modustrial Maker or something, and he's making all this stuff out of concrete and wood and resin and LEDs. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, I could use a new, uh, you know, a coffee table and uh, maybe a bench over here and. And my wife's looking at me going, you're never going to do any of this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, uh, I'm, I'm kind of working on some uh, CNC projects right now. And my buddy hit me up and was like, hey, 
you need a table for your CNC. Why don't you do a poured concrete table such that you can have a nice level table? And I thought about it for a total of just a few seconds. And luckily, you know, the, I, I, the mind was just like, wait, no, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> It's all it's all fun and games until you try to get it out of that mold, and then you're like, okay, I need six people to come help me get this thing out because it weighs 800 pounds. <laughs> well, that, that's the that's the problem. I'm like, you know, I want to do the cast concrete thing, and you know, they're like, oh, you need to use this, you know, glass fiber reinforced concrete and all this. I'm like, looking at, okay, where can I get it? Only online. Okay, I'm gonna need three bags. They are 40 bucks a bag, and it's 200 bucks in shipping. <laughs> Maybe I will just buy that thing I saw pre-made. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So today's topic is the coronavirus, or COVID-19. I think that's the virus strain um, outbreak in China and its impact on the global electronic manufacturing supply chain. Um, if you want to know more about the virus itself, I suggest going to the CDC website, which is cdc.gov slash coronavirus, um, because... We're not biologists or virologists or uh, doctors. I'm pretty sure none of us have a doctor. No, but I no. Last play time one I on a podcast no. from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do you want to take it away, Chris? Uh, sure. So, you know, kind of looking at where we are now, um, you know, obviously this this virus broke out. You know, the initial outbreak was right before the the New Year's holiday, uh, the Lunar New Year holiday. And really started to take off during the holiday. And what we started seeing right away was the government extended the holiday a little bit. Uh, they wanted people to kind of stay in place and not spread the disease. They started quarantining um, different cities and areas. And then they, you know, while they did only extend it to, a, I think, to, what is it, the ninth? Um, I think they extended it a week, yeah. Yeah, they extended it by a week. And then, but what was happening is they, everybody kind of believes, you know, right or wrong, I don't know, that the incubation period was two weeks. So the factories started saying, hey, look, even though the, um, you know, the holiday is going to be over in a week, we don't want to see you back here for two weeks if you're from any of these regions. Uh, you know, well, well, we can figure out if you're healthy and all of that. We don't want people coming back here and getting everyone else sick. Um, so a lot of factories just started coming back to work, uh, this week. Uh, this is really when, um, you know, a lot of people can start traveling again, but still a lot of the towns out there are quarantined, uh, especially a lot of the factory workers are coming from Wuhan and that, in that province. Um, and so they're still not returning to work right now. You know, what I'm looking at is there are about 80% of the factories, you know, kind of across the board in China are back up and running but only about 21% of the total factories out there are actually fully staffed at this moment. Um, and of course that varies on some from, you know, maybe being 10% understaffed to some to being 90% understaffed. And we are going to hear people like Apple and all that saying they're not only are their production outputs uh, reduced, their sales are reduced because, you know, nobody in China is going to the mall and buying iPhones and you know stuff like that. Yeah. I can imagine if, if you don't go to work, um, with all the people there, you wouldn't want to go to a mall either. No, <laughs> no, and, and the areas where things are quarantined, really, they're not much, not a lot of travel very much, right? Not get out of the house. Uh, they certainly don't want people going to supermarkets and malls and stuff like that. Um, so, 
you know, what we kind of saw along the way too, I mean, there's, there's a few other things like we can look at the, the shipping behaviors, right? Some of the big shippers started sending, you know, canceling sh uh, ships going back to China. They're actually charging premiums right now. If you want to move empty containers back to China, they're charging a premium for it because they don't know that they'll fill the ship coming back. So it's, it's kind of impacting a lot of different areas there. You know, uh, one of the first stories that kind of came out were companies uh, refusing their oil shipments. Um, you know, that people had these, these companies had these long-term oil contracts with oil and gas companies, and they were claiming force majeure under their contracts to cancel Q1 shipments. And of course, there's a lot of fighting over that. And, but we're seeing, you know, especially for big vendors, metals, stuff like that, we're starting to see a lot of, you know, act of God being claimed in contracts, you know, either to excuse why they're not shipping out their large orders or why they're not buying the materials they contracted to buy. Try to get out of con some contracts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Though, you know, I think when you're looking at kind of where we are right now, you know, we don't, we don't know how much longer this, this virus is going to be, you know, kind of spreading around. We don't know how much longer some of these towns are in quarantine, but we're definitely not like in a doomsday situation, right? Um, we're certainly seeing factories going back to work, production starting to pick back up. Um, you know, one of the challenges we actually had for us is that we had uh, large PCB orders that were finished in mainland China right before the holiday started, but they didn't have time to get them shipped out to us. Well, when they got back, they wanted to ship them out, but there was no one to come pick them up. And if there was somebody to come pick them up, there was no one at the shipping station, right, to take the order and get it on a plane. And so we're still seeing delayed shipments. Um, it's still happening right now. I mean, we got a lot of the uh, big airline companies have kind of refused to fly to China right now. And there, a lot of that air shipping capacity you see back, right? You know, sure, UPS has some of their planes, FedEx has some of theirs, but a big you know, a big chunk of every cargo hold and every passenger plane is dedicated to shipments. So we're seeing less capacity for that, those airbound shipments coming back to us right now. Actually, I didn't know that um, passenger planes carried cargo like that. It does, I, guess, I guess it makes sense, um, given how big like a 747 would be. <laughs> yeah, and that's also why they charge you for all the suitcases and all that. It's not just the gasoline, right? There's someone else will pay for that space. But, you know, I think, you know, for us in particular, and I think for a lot of people in the industry right now, I mean, obviously, if you were, you know, contracted with an EMS company with a factory in China, you're, you're obviously seeing some delays on your orders coming out right now, um, you know, both with lower capacity, extended time off and potentially bigger orders ahead of you uh, that they now have to get back through. But uh, for us, uh, PCBs have been the biggest problem, the biggest challenge right now. Um, and it's still a moving situation, right? We, you know, we try to, we, we focus on a daily and throughout the day updates from all of our vendors, but they often can't tell us, you know, clear information as well, right? So most of our low volume um, actual production happens in Taiwan. And when we have the factory there in Taiwan, they, they're fully staffed with the line workers to actually build you know, the fabricated PCBs. But what happened was all of their, most of their engineers went back to China, to the mainland China for the holiday. And then I think it was on the, uh, the 6th, Taiwan uh, blocked all entrants from mainland China back to Taiwan. 
So now all their engineers are stranded. They're stuck back on the mainland. They can't get back to work. So we're seeing pretty significant lead times, mostly in the engineering, the you know preparing all the tooling and everything uh, for getting those orders up and running. And we've been more fortunate than others, um, but you know it's still impacting us pretty heavily. I think we're we're seeing an average on a low volume order right now of four to five additional days uh, just for the engineering side of things. Um, <clears throat> But, you know, kind of every time something big like this happens, you know, people respond the exact same way. They say, okay, well, where isn't impacted? Let's move all our stuff there, right? So they said, okay, let's move PCB production to to Vietnam. Let's move it to Taiwan. Malaysia. Um, Yeah, Malaysia, anywhere else like that. That's actually, I see a lot of um, people have been messaging me on like Twitter and uh, and Slack and stuff of like... um, where can I get PCBs at? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I think actually, Stephen, you were, you asked me too, if I knew any besides well, like, we, we had done a, you know, after, after being delayed for three weeks, that, that finally, you know, a, a, a being delayed for three weeks with an additional unknown amount of time ahead, we, we started questioning, okay, so let's, let's see what we can find maybe domestic or, or, or elsewhere. And, uh, and that was one of the biggest things is components are one thing to source outside of China, but it's actually fairly difficult, in my experience, to source PCBs outside of China for a reasonable amount of money. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, can, you can always get them, but, but you know, some of the quotes we were receiving for you know, things of low volume all the way up to moderate volume were approaching 10x cost, but that could also be because everyone else was also pumping through these other uh, vendors yeah i would actually say it's probably more of more people are pumping through these vendors because now everyone that was going through mainland china is scrambling to try to find an alternative source and they need their pcbs right away so probably at the very beginning they were only playing a little bit more than they would normally pay and now you're looking at you know possibly 10x if if you're mm-hmm. late to the game so to speak yeah yeah, I think I think you guys are spot on there. So, you know, I wouldn't say as high as 10x, but, you know, this is the same thing that happened with the Chinese tariffs, right? By the time that you realize you have a problem, everyone else realizes they have a problem. And if you're, you're making this change after the event, you're already behind the curve, right? So the right time, if you wanted to be uh, ahead of the, you know, the whole uh, COVID-19 um, and getting your PCBs in and getting them at a great price was before COVID-19 broke out. Uh, <laughs> what happens is everyone tries to shift at the same time. The whole herd moves there. And so what we're seeing right now is, you know, uh, prices are rising. We're, we're seeing about a 10, you know, from 10 to 30 percent uh, increases in places like Vietnam, uh, Malaysia, Taiwan. I mean, fortunately for us, uh, we're not we're not seeing those increases in Taiwan, but other people are. Uh, we, we do have negotiated you know, agreements with our vendors there, but we're seeing the prices are really going up. But everyone kind of forgets one thing, right? You know, where is all the materials coming from? Because you got to think a PCB fabricator takes materials from third parties, you know, some tooling, some machining, a little processing and puts that all together. Well, they're all buying FR4. Well, the FR4 is primarily made in China, and those factories right now, um, you know, those factories are understaffed. And so what we're seeing is if you want more than a small run, 
uh, you're in a waiting queue for the raw materials to make that. Uh, we're now seeing the lead times for you know just basic FR4 material. Uh, we're not talking anything special here. You know your TG170, your TG150. You know, you know high temperature grade stuff. Glass and glue. Yep. Uh, the lead times out of China right now for that that raw material are running you know upwards of 12 business days. So you know if you're wanting a you know 10 day turn, 10 business day turn, you're kind of SOL, right? You can still get a small order because you're working out of someone's stock. Uh, but for example, you know we're working on I think it was like a 10,000 piece order uh, earlier today and. They're like, yeah, that's a 28-day lead time. I'm like, what are you talking about? That would normally be, you know, a, a you know, three-week lead time for us. So we're like, well, we got, you know, 18 days of uh, lead time just on the FR4 material for that. And so we start calling everyone else, and everyone else tells us the exact same thing, right? You know, I'm a, it's going to be three weeks before I can get the material in for that. Um, so, you know, it's kind of at this point... It, it doesn't really matter where you're moving in Asia. The supply chain is all coming through the same tunnel through through China right now. And so on the larger volume orders, we're going to see significant delays. Um, you know, obviously, again, if you're getting them made in you know, Eastern Europe or the U.S. and you're working out of stock, yeah, you probably get a faster lead time, but that price is going to be significantly higher. And, you know, we often get asked by our, our customers, right, why don't we have a whole lot of U.S. vendors in there? Well, it's very simple. Uh, when times are good, nobody... Yeah, everybody has this sort of price and lead time matrix, this perfect crossing of two things that they're willing to pay. And you offer them this other higher price thing, and they're like, nah, 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 that's way out of whack. I don't want to do that. Okay, um, that's why we're not, we didn't put your order in the US because you didn't want to pay US prices to begin with. Um, but then when this hits, they're like, okay, I want, now I want that US vendor. And all of a sudden it's 30% higher than what they were quoted before, or 10x. And like, oh, this is just, you know, this is insane. Why do I do this? Well, the reality is, is you're now going through that same little pipe with everyone else fighting over the same materials and someone is going to pay it, even if it's not you. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think overall we've been fortunate. I, you know, we were really expecting, you know, significant delays in, you know, close to, you know, 70 to 80% of the stuff flowing through our platform. And, you know, it's been more like 10 to 15%. You know, part of that was, you know, as, as the holiday was coming up, you know, we were already baking in some, you know, pretty conservative lead times in there uh, because we've seen this happen before where, you know, the vendors get flooded with orders right before the holiday and it takes them a couple weeks afterwards to catch up. Um, you know, we, we've, we've been you know, partially guilty of that ourselves in the past. Uh, maybe even this year we were, we were partially guilty of that too. You know, for how many more minutes can I put in an order <laughs> and still get it and still Just get it before it the new year's holiday? We had, we had people putting in the order and then calling the next day to change their design still. Because they wanted to reserve their spot, is right. what they told us. <laughs> that's, great. Like, that's That's not how this works, but exactly. okay. <laughs> you, you know, uh, so, so just kind of like a quick little backup that I think is funny. Mm -hmm. Advanced Circuits is an hour east of me uh, right now. I mean, there, there is a place that is almost a stone's throw that we could get PCBs from, and, and that's where those... 10x numbers start coming from like our standard right. price it's like wow okay i mean like i guess we'll just wait it out <laughs> well, well, well this goes back to what what church was saying is that material 
still comes from China. So advanced might be like, okay, we got like half a warehouse full of stuff of materials. Right. But that's all we're going to get for the next couple months. Right. So they didn't need to make that last. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, green or green? Which one do you want? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, you know, and if I was sitting on that that stuff, I'd be looking at it kind of like gas stations do, right? You're not you're not paying at the pump what they paid to fill their tank up with. You're paying what they're going to pay to refill their tank when it's empty. <laughs> so, um, you know, kind of doing that 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 forecast future pricing thing. So, and look. If I was in that business, I'd probably be doing the same thing, right? It, it makes sense. The demand is, is spiking and peaking. You can help people solve a problem. Uh, you don't want people who don't really have a problem and a business need, you know, for tomorrow for those PCBs uh, to be consuming all that supply. You want the, the people who really, you know, whose business, you know, is going to uh, be made or broken by that next order to be a person in line. And therefore, you know, price differentiation is a way to do that. Another way to think about too is if let's say they kept their prices the same and they got the floodgates went open and they ran out of their material. Well, now they got to lay off everyone that's at their factory right? because now they don't have any work. Right. And nobody wants to do that. Exactly. Um, yeah. I had, had someone asked the other day, like on the first article, do you guys just stop the whole line until we're done you know, reviewing it? Like, no. Do you <laughs> no. want to pay to reserve a whole manufacturing line for a week? I um, mean, we'll do that. Yeah, more than happy to, right? You know, the next job behind you is a you know a thirty thousand dollar job, so you can pay thirty thousand dollars and reserve that line for the week. And it'd be we we shut the line down. Everyone gets my ties. Right. They get paid and go home. You know exactly. <laughs> But yeah, so, you know, economic theory aside, right, um, you know, what we're seeing is sort of, you know, typical, you know, supply chain disruption responses, right? Um, we're, we're seeing bottlenecks in the supply chain, we're seeing prices go up, we're seeing lead times go up, uh, we're seeing people kind of shift all around uh, where there is capacity or where there is uh, supply, and that's driving those prices up. Um, there is no easy answer right now in printed circuit boards. In, I think, Parker, you were talking about seeing that online on Twitter. It seems like every fifth post on printed circuit board on Reddit is, oh, yeah. <laughs> where can I get cheap, fast PCBs that isn't China? Right. Like, good uh, luck. Good luck. <laughs> well, probably not. You can get cheap. You can get fast, but you're probably not going to get both, right? No. Um, there's a lesson in there somewhere about um, you know uh, focusing on all your eggs in one basket somewhere because you know, it's just that perfect thing when things are going well. Um, but the next, you know, one of the next big areas that we are seeing an issue, you know, it's not quite as impacting as many customers, but it's, you know, it certainly impacts much larger customers of ours, which is around the, you know, kind of custom uh, materials, the plastics, the metals, uh, anything, you know, injection molded, stuff like that that's being made in China right now. Kind of kind of get hit with a double whammy, right? So we have this extended delay and then the problem is, you know, most of us are not the biggest customers in these factories, right? You know, if it's Apple or you, you're coming second, right? So we've seen now lead times on some of our injection molding and our custom plastic parts, custom metal parts coming out of China, uh, extending by five, six weeks on top of, you know, the, the earlier lead times. So, you know, kind of what, that, what that's indicating is, 
you know, these these vendors, you know, have these other customers, their orders are getting delayed, they're getting moved up earlier, they're shifting stuff from other factories that can't start up, you know, quite as quickly, moving that stuff around. And, you know, customers like us and others who maybe are not the number one job going through there in the in the queue right now are getting delayed much further than the usual time off would have indicated. Um, and of course, that's that's having a ripple effect. You know, we're having to delay shipments of components. Um, it's helpful that the PCBs are also getting delayed, so it's not all in one area. Um, but we're seeing that with some of our, uh, you know, our, our box build, our, our final product customers, that just their materials are stretching out. You know, orders that were placed uh, at the beginning of January are now being, you know, that we should have expected mid-March are now going to be coming early May. Uh, it's just not a, not a good place to be, but, you know everyone's revenue is impacted so you know what one thing that i'm curious about is how is a uh, customer reception of bad news like this uh, are you seeing just like in general people are saying hey i understand or is it kind of like i need my stuff right now fix it <laughs> um all of the above uh so <laughs> most of the ones i've talked to are very understanding um because they see the news on on you know the tv <laughs> you're or... not macrofab isn't making this up Right. <laughs> no, we're not. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's it's very similar to where when like Chinese New Year hits, uh, or the um, and they they are like, okay, the stuff that it's getting built at is delayed. Like, we're not it the materials not sitting in our warehouse, and we're just not doing it right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah, and I've you know that's the same thing. You know, as long as we're responsive, we're on top of it. You know, we're communicating you know openly and clearly with our customers. I think that uh, most of them handle it pretty well. Obviously, there are you know a few that uh, were already in kind of a dire position. Uh, they were running you know really on the the ragged edge of their timelines, um, and obviously they needed more. Um, and there may be a few out there you know who probably. You know, just get angry. I don't know. I haven't seen that myself. So uh, I think we've been very fortunate. But again, that's really around that communication part, you know, keeping people updated. We have a daily roster of any particular order that we know is going to be impacted or we suspect is going to be impacted. And then we reach out directly to that customer and let them know. So what's the uh, what's the light at the end of the tunnel? Are we even seeing that? Um, the light at the end of the tunnel is there's going to be a glut of capacity coming online. <laughs> so, um, when, when people start returning your emails from like random Alibaba and AliExpress inquiries, that's when you know the light has been reached. You're in the sunlight when that's happening. Yes. You're all the way out. I mean that there's, there's enough people over there that have bandwidth to answer random emails to their factory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I think... So if we look back at the past, um, you know, past year and a half or so, you know, one of the big things I've been hearing from a lot of companies, especially larger companies, we do hear from some of the smaller ones, but some of the larger companies are the, look, we're trying to expand back out of China, right? Um, they had tariff concerns, there were price, price increases that have been going on for a while. I mean, we've seen, you know, the average, you know, since the mid 2000s, the average, uh, uh, electronics manufacturing worker in China makes five times what they made back then, right? So the prices have been steadily going up. Um, and so people have been looking to move to new locations. Uh, that really happened, uh, you know, in force 
once the um, you know, the the tariffs kicked in, and we found they just kind of filled up the factories in Vietnam, in Malaysia, right? Two, you know, 120% capacity very, very quickly. Um, and so a lot of the companies I've been talking to are really looking to expand their footprint a little more globally. Um, you know, maybe looking at Latin America, Africa, Asia, or uh, Eastern Europe, uh, places like that, trying to get out of a single source of, in their supply chain. And I think, you know, one of the positive inf- uh, impacts of this well, it'll put more effort behind that. Uh, it'll cause companies to really think about, you know, do I really want a single source in one country like this? doesn't matter whether it's China or Vietnam or Mexico or Korea. Any one country can have an impact, whether it's a trade issue or a, um, you know, a, a disease, you know, epidemic like that. Um, it's causing a lot of companies to start thinking about how they can have a more distributed manufacturing footprint. And I think that's better for the economy overall. And I think it's better for those companies' uh, long-term viability as well. So Church, what about components like resistors, capacitors, that kind of stuff? Because we know a lot, especially passives, most of those actually come out of out of China. Yeah, so this is kind of an interesting thing. So looking forward you know we were already expecting i think um you know longer lead times and higher prices on some of the more popular passives uh coming in the second half of this year um you know we just saw you know in response to the the passive shortage we saw a lot of new capacity come online uh we saw a lot of new supply going out there and then we saw people not quite picking up on the buying side like those vendors expected so we're going to see we already saw that uh you know a trend to move down on the production there uh to go ahead and you know kind of support those higher prices that those vendors were seeing uh post shortage right if they if they bring on this new capacity and they're expected to make a certain price point on those components, they don't want that cutting in half, right? That goes back to why they didn't spin up that new capacity to begin with. So we were already going to see some pricing pressure and some lead time pressure there. And in fact, uh, yeah, a lot of these guys are still, in, you know, if we look at Wuhan in particular, there are a number of chip plants there, right? So those those factories are still shut down right now. Um, you know, we, we see, you know, for example, uh, Yagio, these guys, um, they're bringing their plants back online, but their, their orders are stacking up quite huge, right? So they're starting to push out lead times for some of their bulk orders past a year. They're starting to increase prices. Um, Vishe, uh, another passive vendor there, still has some plants uh, closed as of yesterday or today's Tuesday. Yeah, yesterday. Um, they still had some plants not up and running. If you were to ask them, you know, you kind of look at the general supply chain news on that, what we're going to see are minimal to moderate delays. But uh, I think for some particular, uh, again, I'm looking at Yagio, I'm looking at potentially Vishay, these guys uh, that are having a bit of a slower start going on right now. We're going to see, especially on the bulk orders, uh, some significant delays there. But when it comes to, you know, look, if you're building 5,000 or 10,000 or something and you don't need, a, you know, 500 resistors 
you know, each board, you're not really going to see anything right now because there's plenty of stock in inventories at the distributors on the shelves. Those are already priced in at the price they paid. Uh, so it's going to be probably a month or so before we start seeing those prices move in any significant way for the small to mid-size uh, producers out there. But I don't expect any major supply chain hiccups right now. But what we will see is the big bulk orders getting delays on those guys. I think a lot of this boils down to, or or is a good learning experience for people to uh, understand single sourcing uh, in your designs and how to avoid that, or <laughs> the fact that you should avoid that if possible. Right. Yeah, I mean, having uh, I think Parker will remember the story where you know back at DP, him and I, we had this product, and it had this one opto coupler on it. And this was oh, entirely man. my fault. <laughs> I had made a design around this one particular optocoupler that had a reverse footprint configuration from all the other common optocouplers like it. And um, and it was it was a standard DIP4 package for an opto too. So it's not like it was a weird package. It was just the pinout was funky. Right. And so, you know, we consumed a good amount. We were, we were probably one of the bigger customers for that particular component. And a uh, broker realized that we had kind of continuous ongoing buys for that. And he went and he bought all the stock off the distributor shelves, off the market. So when, every time we go out for production, the only place we could buy it from is him. And by the time we phased that out, we finally designed that out of our product. We were paying five times as much <laughs> we, as we started for that component. <laughs> by the yeah, end. yeah, it basically got to the point where the... Uh, you know, the dollar spent for engineering, re-engineering the device to not use that part. That was cheaper. Was cheaper than running another run with that part. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, that was clearly a lesson in, you know, designing around, you know, unique components, single sourcing, um, all of that. Because once you're in that trap, you're, you're kind of stuck, right? So, you know, I, I think... <clears throat> I'll be honest, I don't have any like doomsday scenarios here, right? The supply chain's going to get back up and running soon. Um, oh, we need our clickbait title, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, what is man. soon? <laughs> well, I mean, soon, I would expect within three weeks, uh, everything starts to normalize. We will still see backlogs, you know, at things like, you know, for really high volume PCBs, uh, things like, um, you know, the plastics, stuff like that. We're going to still see some backlogs as they work through uh, their existing orders. But we're, we're not going to, there's nothing yet to indicate that this is the end of the electronics world. Um, <laughs> I think people would be screaming a little bit more if, if there were signs of that. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that out. That would be the title. This is the end of the electronics industry. Yes, yes. You can take just that part. And, exactly. Oh, I, I cut off the first half of the sentence. Right? Exactly. Um, but no, I, I think right now, I mean, we're we're just in a position where you know China wants to get back to work. They're you know working very hard on doing that. Um, this is impacting their economy pretty heavily, and they're gonna you know they're gonna start pushing really hard to get things going. Um, you know, the boards are going to get built, right? There's going to be some delays throughout February, throughout, you know, throughout March for some customers. Um, you know, again, mechanicals are going to take a little bit longer, but I think everything's going to, you know, kind of move back into normal here um, within by the end of the quarter. 
and we'll all be forgetting about this uh, next year when uh, Lunar New Year comes around again, and we're like, oh, <laughs> when hey, the, let's when try the Bud to put Light in- virus comes out. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> I was about to say, it's like for some reason, the Lunar Lunar New Year always surprises people, and like it happens every year, <laughs> and we let you know months in advance, and yet people are like. Shock Pikachu face. Right, like, <laughs> oh my god, why didn't you tell me? Well, yes, we kind of did, like, actually. Uh, yeah. Actually, yeah, Macrofab does send out in the newsletter, but also um, via email, you send out notices of things of this sort happening, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and we put it right in the platform, too, when we can, you know, when it's big enough that it's going to last for more than a few days, you know, and there's a, a reason we want to call out why we're adding delays. Um, you know, we'll, we'll put that up. I think we've got a little... Uh, pop-up thing right now on the PCB viewer that you know says you know, an additional four days delay, um, but yeah, I think I think in general I think this this is a, a good exercise for everyone who's doing just-in-time production uh, to come in there and try to try to weigh the pros and cons, uh, develop alternative strategies, right? Like maybe, you know, my inventory levels shouldn't you know, be zero before I refill. Uh, maybe I do, you know, I carry a month's worth of inventory. <laughs> or yeah. you could have, one thing I was thinking about is you could have multiple different build outs, you know, making sure you're not having single sources and stuff like that. But also when you go out getting quotes, stuff like that for your products, you know, you got you got to be a little flexible with your margin if stuff like this happens. Yeah, and I think if you run a tight ship, if you're able to then you know kind of amortize those additional costs across the rest of your production, uh, if you can account for that, looking at it and going saying, well, you know, I'm going to make you know five or ten percent lower margin this month but I'm still going to be shipping to my customers and actually making revenue. Uh, you get a little more sanguine about that if you can go, okay, I can I can just amortize that across my whole run. Uh, maybe it ends up being 0.15% lower margin across the whole the whole product life. Um, you know, again, we have some people who often can't see things that way. They're like, no, I, I want it now and I want it cheap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I want you to just cut through that line of all these people who want it now and want it cheap and put me up to the front. Um, and you know, look, there there are a lot of there are a lot of different ways to deal with those issues. Um, the big things, you know, I often worry about are you know some of the startups, the new companies, which are just now you know kind of focused on bringing their products to market. Maybe they went to CES, they got a lot of interest. They gotta get their MVP done. Yeah, they took a lot of back orders, maybe, uh, you know, something like that. Th- those are the guys I worry about a little bit right now, um, that they, they may be the hardest impacted because they had the least slack in their schedule. And they had the least push because they had the smallest, usually the smallest volumes. Right, um, So right. they don't have the, 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 the gravity to get in line, so to speak, or get in front of line. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, some pretty big organizations, right? You know, it's a speed bump. It sucks. It, you know, impacts their, their bottom line or their revenues for the quarter. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it'll, their stock will be back up by the end of the year and they'll be, uh, be just fine. So. Yeah. Luckily this isn't happening at the end of Q4 and just ruining everyone's year. (laughs) (laughs) The worst would probably be Q3. Because that's when everyone is starting to wrap stuff up and shipping for the holiday season. That's when everyone's like, oh, we actually have to do well this year. (laughs) 
Yeah. No, no, I think that's actually when a lot of people are just starting to put in their orders for the holiday season. <laughs> well, and that's what I'm saying is if this hit then, right. then you have all those factories shut down where they should be like at max capacity now going crazy. Right. Right. We were a little fortunate that this, you know, did happen around Lunar New Year. So stuff was already shut down and it's basically like, oh, it's, you know, not to make light of the situation, but it's like an extended holiday in terms of from our outside perspective. Um, <laughs> yeah, from our the factories side. are still, sl- are still <laughs> shut down. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I think Lunar New Year was three weeks this year, right? So. Yeah. You know, I think, I think what a lot of it boils down to is just like a really healthy dose of realizing that we're all humans and that some of this can be a little bit fragile. And, uh, and you know, the, the what turns the screws at the end of the day is humans, not necessarily the machines. Uh, and so, like, we got to we always have to have a healthy dose of that and, and understand that it's it is possible. Yeah, absolutely. Although I will say some of the brightest minds of our generation are working on making that not true. <laughs> they, they want the machines to do it all. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. We're just yeah, not there, especially yet. in China. <laughs> Yeah, we're always 10 years away from that, right? Mm-hmm. Fusion will happen around the corner. <laughs> right when I get my flying car. Yep. <laughs> that that was supposed to be a long time ago. <laughs> Although I guess, you know, uh, Uber, no, they got, uh, they, they've got helicopters. Uber Air. Um, and there's some other company, I think up in Dallas, they actually have a, a manned quadcopter. There, there's just sound something so dangerous about that. <laughs> I don't think, I mean, given, I think, you know, Parker, actually, I think you've also seen me fly a quadcopter. Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. And like, imagine now in a life-size one with big rotors, man, I would just, it'd be a path of death and destruction. <laughs> yeah, just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm always surprised when I make it to work, you know, in the car without an issue, so... <laughs> Oh, cool. Do we have any... Oh, we have a article on our blog about this whole situation and how it's impacting the electronics manufacturing world, so to speak, um, in relationship to Macrofab. Um, is there anything else do we want to talk about? Well, we got time, right? So, uh, let's see. Parker, how's the checker doing? Oh, uh, the, the, the vehicle. Actually, I don't think I've ever talked about that vehicle on this podcast. So I have a 65, 1965 Checker Marathon made by the Checker Motor Company in Kalamazoo. And um, I got it running on Sunday. Running with, running with really, really big air quotes. Yeah, so it actually, the engine fired up running on... This is the first time this engine's ever run in at least 32 years. And it moved under its own power into the driveway. It did not stop under its own power, but it ran under its own power. <laughs> so it has zero brakes right now because, like, it doesn't have a master cylinder. So, like, the brake pedal just flops around in, under the dash. Um, so, just, I, so you had to stop it with your feet sticking yeah, out the door. Just, this, yeah. yeah, this visual image of Parker, like, trying to push the car, you know, get out in front of the car, trying to stop it. Oh, so the, the best thing was... When I first bought this vehicle, um, I, I wanted to put it in my backyard um, and then put a tarp over because I was I, I basically bought it because it was a really good price and I I knew I was going to get to it right away. So I put it in the backyard and I had to set up some bricks because I didn't want it sitting in the dirt, right? Pushing it into the backyard and 
you have to get some steam up because you got to go from the grass onto the bricks, which is about a two-inch gap. It pops up onto the bricks, and so then I grab the bumper to slow it down. It's almost a 4,000-pound vehicle, so a 250-pound Parker kind of gets dragged along with it, and so it, it goes on the bricks, off the bricks, into the back fence. Oh, <laughs> and this fence had just been replaced uh, from because Harvey blew it down. Uh, the Hurricane, Hur- Hurricane Harvey blew it down, so it had just been replaced. <laughs> and so I basically almost put a checker-sized hole in a brand-new fence. Fortunately, it just, like, the, the dirt was wet, or soggy, so it just like bent the post. And <laughs> once I got the checker off of it, I was able to just pull it back. And my neighbor doesn't know, <laughs> so <laughs> unless he listens to the podcast now, <laughs> now he knows. Oh, well, cool. you should put some put some veneer or some concrete on that thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably talk more about that car in future episodes once I get more stuff done on it. Right. So, so it was the Jeep, then the wagon, then the checker. All three of which are not done in any no, way. No, none of them are done. And they never will be, right? There's no, always something not. more to weld to them. Yes. <laughs> Endless project. Yeah. I still think you got to paint it like one of the checker cabs. Yeah. You know, get the yellow and the black checkers and all that on there. So I was going to go the opposite direction and just not black paint it out. Cab. Just matte black it? No, no, that would be... I think it'd be too evil looking for a checker. <laughs> um, no, because I was going to do a vanity license plate. I was going to do not a check, uh, not a cab vanity plate. Um, nice. But yeah, I, I, I kind of like the blue a lot, and it was that blue was a special order color from Checker. So it's kind of interesting that you know they, there was probably that year like ten of those were ever painted that color. So it's kind of cool. That's it's that it's called Fairfield Blue. It's kind of cool. So, probably keep it that color. Nice. So, so Parker, if I if I were to get a project vehicle, could I come put it in your yard? As long as you hit the <laughs> back Actually, fence. Actually, you could. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as long as you mend the fence afterwards. <laughs> well, it depends on which direction I come into the backyard, right? Yes. If I come from the neighbors, yeah, I'll have to mend the fence. But Yeah, yeah. Are you, you, you going to buy that TVR finally? Ooh, I would like a TVR. That or uh, what is it? The um, oh, the uh, Triumph TR6. That's that's what I want. I want one of those. But I have no room for it right now, and no project capacity either. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to veneer that entire car, right? <laughs> that's actually the thing is the dash would be veneer. Yeah, because they'll they'll have the wood dashes. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna need a bigger vacuum press for. I that. was about to um, say. <laughs> That's a sexy car, gotta admit. I know. I, I love those things. Little little two door, you know, roadster coupe kind of thing. Yeah, just a little sporty thing. Because mm-hmm. I because I've sat in one of these before, and my my up my up forehead is exposed to the wind. <laughs> the windshield is not tall enough for me. That dash I, basically is basically awesome. if I drove it, I had to wear I, I'd have to wear driving goggles. <laughs> That's a that's a cool you know kind of a scene to imagine there. You need the driving goggles, the scarf, um, the gloves, <laughs> like, like the, the the whole Red Baron getup, like, yeah. exactly. <laughs> just driving around with, in the a, breeze, with a pistol. Fine. Yeah, <laughs> go through the Whataburger drive-through. Yeah, yeah there we go. 
Nice, nice. Right. Yeah, so, you know, I'm just, I'll be honest, though, kind of back onto the subject, though, uh, of the podcast. I am looking forward to this being over, uh, you know, getting things getting back to normal, uh, because, you know, just really distracting every day, right? Because whether, you know, you're in the supply chain team, you're really being held to your on-time delivery, your cost targets, you're in the, the customer support side, you're dealing with people who are really struggling because they need their products, they got to get them out there. And it really does take a lot of energy from everyone to kind of keep on top of this and, you know, really be, you know, dealing with all of the, the challenges on a day-to-day basis. Um, and when I talk to our vendors in China, um, when we can't actually get a hold of them right now, or Taiwan, right, we're hearing the same things. Like, we really just want things to go back to normal. Uh, we enjoy that we're able to make a little more money right now, but it's a lot harder than we normally have to work to do it. And, you know, I think uh, once we get back to normal, I think it'll be an opportunity for everybody to catch their breath a little bit and go, ah, this is so much nicer. So with that, Church, you want to sign us out? Sure. Uh, so that was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I was your guest, Chris Church. And we're your hosts, Parker Doman. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy.